It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Friday, December 25th, 2020. On this day in 1950, four Scottish nationalists broke into Westminster Abbey and stole the Stone of Destiny, an ancient symbol of Scottish royalty. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Today we're covering the shocking theft of the Stone of Destiny. Let's go back to London in the early morning hours of December 25th, 1950. Ian Hamilton, Alan Stewart, and Gavin Vernon put their combined weight onto the small crowbar. The law students had no experience breaking and entering, but they were willing to take great risks to liberate their quarry. The hulking pine door slowly budged open with every effort, but all the creaking and cracking threatened to expose them. A Westminster watchman could be lurking around any corner. As the doors inched open, the intruders gave one last heave, Finally, the entrance opened with a crash. The three men rushed into the abbey, shut the doors behind them, and waited in silence. For sirens, for footsteps. But none came. The Scots had successfully found themselves inside the poet's corner of Westminster Abbey in London. But breaking into one of the most beloved churches in all of England was only step one of their plan. Step two, steal the Stone of Destiny. For centuries, this ancient relic was a crucial piece of the Scottish royalty's coronation ceremony. And now Ian, Alan, and Gavin were determined to return it to its rightful place. By the time the men arrived in the confessor's chapel, where the stone was held, they'd gotten much further than they'd anticipated. They never expected to actually pull off the heist. They only hoped to send a political message. They would be happy just to touch the stone before a guard spotted them. But as they passed the green marble tomb of King Edward I and reached the coronation chair, true success seemed within reach. Now they just had to get the dense, burdensome stone out of its compartment in the chair. The three men pushed and pulled on the hulking boulder without much luck. They were getting in each other's way. In the process, they broke some of the chair's wooden pieces and knocked down an informational plaque. At first, the relic wouldn't budge, but Ian, Alan, and Gavin kept pushing. Finally, the Scots freed the stone from its perch within the coronation chair. They then watched in horror as it hit the chapel floor with a bang and cracked into two pieces. It wasn't an optimal outcome, but it did make the stone easier to move. 
Ian hoisted the smaller half and hurried outside as Alan and Gavin dragged the larger piece to the steps of the high altar. Their friend and conspirator, Kay Matheson, waited in the darkness outside in a getaway car. Around 5 a.m., Ian placed his slab into the back seat of Kay's car, but the activity caught the attention of a police officer, and the officer was now headed in their direction. Ian jumped into the passenger seat of the car, grabbed Kay, and started to kiss her. The pair stayed locked in their embrace until the officer arrived at their window. They wanted him to see them. After some inquiry, the pair told him they were lost and searching for a bed and breakfast to spend the night. The policeman believed the story and empathized with the sham couple's fabricated plight. He even engaged them in cordial conversation and offered them cigarettes. The unexpected exchange turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Ian and Kay were able to direct the cops' attention away from their co-conspirators, still lurking inside the abbey. Eventually, the policeman finished his cigarette. Kay turned the key in the ignition, and the pair wished the officer farewell. They sped off down the road with their newest acquaintance tailing them for a bit. Once they were finally alone again, Kay let Ian out of the car to head back to the abbey. Upon arrival, Ian found the other half of the stone of Schoon exactly where they'd left it, and Alan and Gavin gone. Both fled after seeing the cop, but Ian wasn't about to give up. He used his jacket to drag the slab to a second getaway car. With great effort, he lifted it into the trunk and began to drive down the road alone. As he did, he saw Gavin and Alan walking towards him and stopped. Alan hopped in the passenger seat alongside Ian, but Gavin worried that an alarm had already been raised and the authorities were after them. He thought it would be safer if he left by train. He was right. A Westminster watchman had already entered the chapel, seen that the stone was missing, and reported the theft to the police. Authorities set up roadblocks on all major thoroughfares running out of London, and for the first time in nearly 400 years, the border between England and Scotland shut down. Gavin's choice to take the train allowed him safe travel. As a woman driving alone, Kay Matheson passed through the roadblocks and over the border without suspicion. Alan and Ian got as far as Kent before burying their half of the stone in an empty field and making their escape. Days later, Ian and Alan returned to the field to dig up the stone. Then, with both pieces finally in their possession, the Scots celebrated their miraculous transgressions by drenching the stone and their pallets in whiskey. After 654 years of the Stone of Destiny in England's possession, they had returned it to its home country. They had reclaimed it for Scotland. It almost didn't matter that they were maybe the most wanted people in the United Kingdom, or that as they drank, there was a manhunt out to get them. Coming up, the repercussions of the theft. 
Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa. If you haven't had a chance to check out the entertaining new podcast, Blind Dating, now's the time to binge what you've missed before catching all new episodes every Wednesday. In this Spotify original from Parcast, we're expanding the places you can meet your match with a twist you'll never see coming. Join host Tara Michelle as she introduces one hopeful single to two strangers in a voice-only call. Through a series of illuminating games and questions, the trio will get to know one another without the distraction of appearances. But once the cameras are turned on, is personality still enough for these strangers to fall for each other? Or will they say farewell? Connect with new episodes of Blind Dating every Wednesday. You can find and follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. On December 25, 1950, three Scottish law students and one science teacher stole the Stone of Destiny from Westminster Abbey in London. All four were members of the Covenant Movement in Scotland, a group that advocated for Scottish sovereignty. For centuries, the Scottish Crown used the Stone of Destiny, also known as the Stone of Schoon, as an integral part of their coronation ceremonies. In 1296, after winning the Battle of Dunbar, King Henry I of England seized the relic and brought it to London. Henry then commissioned a woodworker to build an oak throne to house the relic. This became known as the coronation chair. It allowed the stone to fit neatly inside a nook located directly below the seat. The chair was then placed inside the Confessor's Chapel at Westminster Abbey, where it was used for English and ultimately British coronation ceremonies. The stone itself isn't much to look at. It's a block of red sandstone that weighs 336 pounds. Its only adornments are two iron rings near each end and a poorly carved cross on one side. There's no inscription. But despite its plain appearance, the stone is said to have mystical powers. According to legend, Jacob from the Old Testament once used the slab as his pillow. That night, he dreamed of a ladder to heaven. There are also rumors that it groans when the rightful sovereign sits on it, but remains silent beneath a conqueror. Prior to the theft in 1950, Scottish bars were apparently filled with idle conversations, joking about stealing the Stone of Destiny. This happened for years, but no follow-through happened until Ian Hamilton rallied his friends and concocted a scheme. Prior to the theft on Christmas, the Scots traveled to Westminster Abbey on a number of reconnaissance missions. They learned the general patterns of the night watchmen, but more importantly, they noticed that one of the abbey's side doors was made of pine, soft enough to pry open. After the grueling experience of stealing the stone and returning both broken pieces to Scotland, Ian had the relic repaired. Four months after the burglary, officials found the repaired Stone of Destiny beneath a draped Scottish flag in the Arbroath Abbey, where in 1320, Scotland asserted their independence from England and the church. Officials then returned the stone to Westminster Abbey. 
Investigators eventually tracked down Ian, Allen, Gavin, and Kay. The young nationalists hadn't been particularly careful about keeping their plans under wraps. They also left behind quite the crime scene. Ian Hamilton, who eventually became a criminal lawyer, later said, I've defended a lot of daft people during 30 years as a criminal lawyer, but I doubt very much if I've defended anyone who was as daft as we were then. Despite their reported daftness, no charges were ever pressed. To avoid more media attention and to prevent any political upheaval, the Scots were let go, and they were welcomed back to their country as national heroes. Some apparently rarely paid for beer again. In 1996, British Prime Minister John Major announced that the Stone of Destiny would be moved back to Scotland. Today, it's kept in Edinburgh Castle and lent out to England in good faith whenever a coronation ceremony is held at Westminster Abbey. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Connor Sampson, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Listeners, there's no better time than right now to open your heart to the hit Spotify original from Parcast, Blind Dating. Every Wednesday, find out if personality alone is enough to make a love connection. Follow Blind Dating, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.